that Jesus is going to, to answer a question really for the disciples. Uh, he's going to say in verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. And so that, that begs the question, why are their hearts troubled? And if you are here tonight uh, and you have a troubled heart, this is a passage for you. This is when COVID start, first started last year in March. This is a text that the Lord uh, used greatly in my own life to think about when, when things were so turbulent. Uh, I guess I'll share a little bit about about that time when things shut down at church and we, were, we weren't really sure what to do, what, to, what was going on. My grandmother had a stroke and went to the, uh, went to the nursing home and, and things were a lot different. My dad has a business and, it, and, it, and it's a family-owned business that kind of goes and sways with seasons. And so my heart was very heavy for, for many months. And this is a text that the Lord used to really comfort my own heart. And this is a text that I think can comfort a lot of people's hearts tonight. So just think about that. Is your heart troubled? What is troubling your heart tonight? And that may be, uh, you may be suffering from sickness or know someone who is sick themselves. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Uh, I've seen recently friends who have lost loved ones from from this virus, from just natural causes, things that we, it's, it's hard to lose a loved one and that can cause trouble within our hearts. Maybe it's what's going on in the world today in Afghanistan or with the hurricanes or with the virus. Maybe as parents, if, if you are here and, and you are worried about the, the morality shifting in our culture and that is troubling your hearts because your children are growing up into this, there's a lot of reasons for our hearts to be troubled, and yet there's a lot of reasons for us to have peace tonight because of what Christ has promised us in, in this passage. And so let's read John 14, verses 1 through 7, and then, and then we'll, we'll break this passage down. Verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, would I have told you that I go and prepare, prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And that where I am, you may also be. And you also, and you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, do you know him? And you have seen him. You do know him and you have seen him. And so let me set some context of what's going on right now in this passage. So John 13 through 17 are, are uh, an extended passage of the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, in the final hours of his life. So he's there with the disciples, having dinner with them, having supper with them. He has washed their feet, John 13, 1. The, the disciple John says that Jesus has loved them to the end. What a beautiful reminder for us that he loves us to the end. And so he humbles himself by disrobing himself and washing the disciples' feet. And then he starts telling them all the things of what's going to happen that Judas that one would betray Christ, that one who has followed after Christ for many years now with the other disciples is going to, to reject Christ and betray him. And then Jesus says, 
in verse 30, 31, he says, the, the Son of Man must be glorified. And then he says in verse 33, I'm here just a little while longer, and then I'm going away. Just a few more hours, and Jesus will be betrayed by Judas, and he's going to be crucified, and then three days later be resurrected. But this is starting to trouble the disciples' heart and causing their hearts to be troubled. They're having this great heartache that one of them would reject Jesus, betray him. Jesus is leaving. They've left everything for Jesus. And then he says at the end of John 13, he, said, he tells Simon Peter that you are going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And so you have the scene set where the disciples, they're kind of awestruck at this point. They've been following after Christ, and they haven't quite understood that what's going to happen the next day is that Jesus is going to die. And so when Jesus is telling all of this is what's going to happen so that scriptures can be fulfilled and that one of them would, would deny him, their hearts are troubled. Their hearts are, are broken. They, they, there's no calmness or peace or hope right now. And Jesus says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. If you can imagine Jesus looking at them in their, in their eyes, saying, let not your hearts be troubled. And he's going to give them three reasons for their hearts not to be troubled. First of all, because of who he is. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And a lot of commentators try to articulate and understand exactly what John means by this, but essentially uh, Jesus is saying in the same way that you have believed in God the Father, the one who, who, who is sovereign, who guides your life, who, who has created you, in that same manner of belief and trust and hope, put that in me. Because in verse 7, Jesus says, If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. And in verses 8 through 11, he's going to say, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. We have this, we have this unified relationship as the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, If you've believed in the Father, believe in me. You've seen the works of my hand. You've seen my miracles. You've heard my teaching. You've seen me do all of these things. Believe in me. Trust in me. Know that I am going to make good on my promise. And what are his promises? Verse 2 and verse 3. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. And where I am you may also be. And Jesus is, is saying, so believe in me, number one. If you have a troubled heart, believe in him. Trust in him. He keeps his promises. He who is, is faithful, he is always faithful. Second Timothy says, even when we're unfaithful, he is faithful. And then he says, I'm going to my father's house and I'm preparing a place for you. And what a wonderful assurance of salvation. Throughout Scripture, we see that we, uh, we are sinful, we are deceitfully wicked, we are dead in our trespasses and sins, and it's only by the mercy and grace of God that we can have life in God and life that is promised. And so Jesus is reminding this to the disciples that I'm going to go, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be resurrected, and I'm going to ascend to the right hand of the Father, and I'm preparing a, a place for you, a dwelling place, an abode for you. And he's saying, I'm going to give you eternal life. <clears throat> There's a place for each and every one of my children. In this, in this time, it's a difficult time in, in, in history where, where, where they're, they're living and Jesus is promising there's a place for you with God. 
and for us. That's, that's good news tonight, that, that life here on this earth is difficult, and it's hard, and yet Jesus is saying, there's a place prepared for you. If you are a child of God, this is not it. This, is, this isn't it. You may live in a home here temporarily in this world as you're passing through, but this is not it. There's a place for you waiting, and it's a place eternally. And that should give our hearts comfort tonight, knowing that we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. And then he says, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. So Jesus says, believe in me, trust in me, hope in me. Also know that I'm preparing a place that I'm going to take you to. And then he says, this is beautiful, I will come back and take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. Beautiful promise that Jesus said, we're going to be together. So get this with the disciples. He's saying, I am going to go away, but one day we will be together again. And for us, one of my favorite passages is in 1 Peter 8, uh, 1, 8, where, G, where Peter says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And this is, our, this is us. We're on this side of the cross. We're not there in the upper room with the disciples. We're here, this side of Calvary, and we haven't physically seen Jesus with our own eyes, but God's Spirit has revealed to us the truth of who Jesus is from His Word. And we have hope that Jesus is real. And we trust with all of our hearts and believe that He is real. And, and one day, we will be with Him forever and ever and ever. Let me share uh, one of my favorite passages is in Revelation 21. Um, beginning in verse 1 through 4. This is one of a passage that I go back to over and over. And I know at my church, they've heard me preach and teach, and, and they hear me use this passage a whole lot, but it just brings so much comfort. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And listen to this. And God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4, And he will wipe away every tear from their eye, and, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. What a beautiful promise that one day, one day we are going to be with God forever and ever and ever, and there's no more pain and suffering, there's no more troubled hearts, there's no more sorrow, there's no more death and sickness, there's no more temptation to sin. And I am so thankful for all of those promises, but most of all, I'm thankful for our eternity with God. There's a lot of things to, to look forward to, but that, that is the glory of heaven, is the presence of, of God that we get to experience, that, that we can't fully experience now because we're not yet glorified. We still struggle with the old self and sin, but one day we will be glorified and we will be for, with Christ forever and ever, and that's a, that's a promise that Christ has given us. So if you've had a troubled heart tonight, this is a promise from Him that this isn't it. This world, this fallen, broken, sinful, suffering world is not it. And He's saying, look ahead to eternity. Look ahead that, that there is something greater than what is right now. And that's really difficult for us uh, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of pain. And yet, 
Jesus is saying, look, that, look to eternity. Look at what's coming. Let me, let me share one more passage if you want to turn there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says something very similar to, to what Jesus is saying and what John has said in Revelation 21. But 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16, Paul, Paul the Apostle says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now, let, let me explain some of this. Paul is saying our, our outer body, our, our, our bodies are, are, are wasting away. They're going to die, but our inner man, our soul, if you are in Christ, if you have trusted in Christ for salvation, it's being renewed by the Spirit day after day after day. And, and Paul is saying there's hope. And then in verse 17, he says, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And I think that's one of the most interesting verses because when you are in the middle of suffering, it doesn't always seem light and it doesn't always seem momentary. It can seem like it's going to last forever and it's the weight of the world from the suffering is happening. And you've got to think the apostles, the disciples are thinking this. Jesus, we've followed after you and you're leaving. You're going to die and their hearts are breaking and they're feeling this affliction and this suffering. And you may be here tonight feeling that as well. And Jesus is telling us, let not our hearts be troubled. Take heart. He says in chapter 16 of John, he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. In this world you have tribulation, but I've overcome the world. And so Jesus is over and over and over giving us a promise to not have troubled hearts. And so, but this is not a promise. This this is a promise for God's children. This Not everyone will experience this this peace and hope that Christians have because not everyone has the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, Jesus says, I'm going to send the helper or the comforter to you. We have the experience of the Spirit giving us comfort in these hard and difficult times. And so how is it that we can experience this? Verses 4 through 7 teaches us this. Jesus says, and you know the way of where I'm going. So he's saying, I'm going away. You know this way. And then Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Which is really interesting because all throughout the Gospels, all throughout Jesus' life and ministry, he's been pointing to the final hour that would come that he would lay his life down for his own. And he is saying, he says to Thomas, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. And that might be one of the most well-known verses in the Gospel of John, but I still want us to think through what exactly Jesus means by this and how we can apply this for ourselves today. First of all, he says, I'm the way. I am the, the only way to the Father. I'm the only, only way to eternal life. If you want to experience this peace and hope and eternal life, it's through me. And my pastor was sharing some research with me a few weeks ago that more and more and more Christians, not just unbelievers, but Christians are starting to say, Jesus is not the only way. He's a way, but you can, you can follow Islam, you can follow Buddhism, you can follow whatever path leads you to God, 
as long as you are as long as you mean it with your heart, you're, you're going to find God. And, and this is starting to seep into the church, the, the world, the culture. These false teachings are starting to seep into what uh, born-again Christians are, who claim to be born again are starting to say. And Jesus says, that is not the case. If we believe what Scripture says, Jesus says, I am the only way to the Father. I'm the only way to, sal- to salvation, to eternal life. And then he says, I am the truth. And this is one that I have really thought through uh, for a whole uh, for a long time recently uh, about Jesus being the truth. And the reason is is because we live in a culture where truth is relative and truth it, it can can be uh, can flex and it can change. And what's true today may not be true tomorrow in the culture. And, and we live in a culture that celebrates that we are called to to live our own truth and speak our own truth. And what's true for me might not be true for for Pastor Grant or Pastor Dave. And, and the culture celebrates that. And we're going to say no, no, no. There is a standard of truth. Is God's word revealed to us in Christ Jesus, and that's why Jesus says, "I am the truth." In a world seeking truth and trying to live out their truths, Jesus is the standard of truth. He is the only thing that is true in this world, and we we must follow after Him and trust in Him and believe in Him. And then He says, "I am the life." I am the life. We don't have time tonight to do an extended study of the life, but this is a key theme in the Gospel of John. At least look back at John 11 later this week if you have some time where, where Jesus is going to go and resurrect Lazarus. And what does he tell to, their, to Lazarus' sisters? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And over and over and over in the Gospel of John, we see that Jesus says, I am the life. I am the one to eternal life. I'm the one that gives you hope and peace and life. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Meaning, you can't get to eternal life. You can't have a relationship with God. You can't have eternal life except by having faith and my finished work on the cross and my resurrection. You and I cannot do anything to get good enough to get uh, gain acceptance into heaven, acceptance into eternal life. Uh, our righteousness are filthy rags, Isaiah 64 says to the Lord. We, we can't do anything that's not stained with sin. But thank goodness that we are covered with the blood of Christ, that, that Jesus stands before us, advocating for the Father, mediating between us and the Father, giving us life. I can't do it. I cannot do it myself. It is through faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And we could spend a lot longer looking at that relationship between Christ and the Father. But my desire for you tonight is that you would believe in Christ and in believing in Christ have a heart that's got peace in it and joy and hope. And, and there are going to be times in this life we're not, we're not exempt from suffering as believers. There's going to be times where life is hard, days are difficult, seasons are difficult, our hearts are going to be troubled. But if we remember who Christ is. We remember His promises. We remember that He is faithful. We remember that He has gone to prepare a place for us. And one day forever and ever and ever we will be with Him. We keep an eternal perspective of this life. 
then it helps, it helps to make those moments of suffering a little bit more light and a little bit more momentary. And that's my prayer for you. I know that this church has suffered through a lot with, with the virus recently. And my heart and my prayer is that, that you would remember this, that your hearts would not be troubled. And so I, I want to close by just reading a verse and a hymn from, from my favorite hymn, and, and then I'll pray. It's, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Verse 1 says, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And that is my, my prayer for you. My prayer that your hearts would not be troubled because our eyes are turned upon Christ forever. Let's pray. Father, we do praise You for who You are. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. God, I pray for every single person here, Lord, tonight. I pray that if there's anyone here, Lord, who has not trusted in you for salvation, God, that you would quicken their heart with your spirit and you would use your word to, for them to turn and repent from sin and to turn to you, Lord. You would, re, you would give them a new heart. You would give them a new life. And Father, for those who do know you, Lord, who, who have walked with you for a long time or for a short time, Lord, God, I, pr I pray that your promises speak true to their life, Lord. And God, I pray that this scripture would resonate with us, that our hearts would not be troubled, Lord. God, we live in such a difficult time, such a difficult world full of suffering, full of sin, full of pain and sorrow. And yet, Lord, you have not forsaken us. You've not left us. You are always faithful. And so, God, we pray that you would calm our troubled hearts and spirits tonight, Lord. And we trust in Christ, and we trust in his finished work. It's in his name we pray. Amen.